Joe Biden should welcome legal challenges to the recent 2020 election. If he wants to be viewed as a legitimate president, he has to convince half of America that he won fair and square. Otherwise, he'll be branded as an illegitimate president, and it will cripple his ability to govern. There are serious and valid questions raised about not just voting irregularities, but fraud. Ballots must be checked to ensure that every legal vote is counted and every illegal vote is discounted. Beyond this, the voting systems themselves must be rigorously examined. Why did some 30 states use voting machines and softwares from a Venezuelan company that has a record of rigging an election in that country? Was the software corrupted in the U.S. election? Americans deserve answers. Biden should demand it. If he doesn't, millions of voters will always wonder if this election was stolen. Attorney. Fox News legal analyst and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is the brief with Greg Jarrett. Hello everyone, I'm Greg Jarrett and welcome to the brief. By now you've all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's literally changed my life. I met Mike Lindell. He fit me for my very own my pillow. And I haven't stopped raving about it since then. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape. Made in the USA. If you don't have a my pillow or know somebody who doesn't, now is the time because there's a limited time that Mike is offering his premium my pillows. Yes, the one that started it all for his lowest price ever. You can get a queen-size premium my pillow regularly 69.98 for only 29.98. That's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more. Folks, now is the time to buy. Not only are you getting the lowest price ever, but they're the best Christmas gifts ever. 29.98 for a queen-size premium my pillow. Buy now, and Mike will extend his 60-day money-back guarantee to March 1st, 2021. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener's Square. There, you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all of the MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, the MyPillow Mattress Topper, and MyPillow Towel Sets. Or call 800-605-8765 and use promo code GREGG, G-R-E-G-G. Now, back to the brief. In September, Joe Biden vowed that he would not declare victory until the election is independently certified. He made that promise to the American people during the first presidential debate when questioned by Chris Wallace of Fox News. Here's a trip down memory lane. Vice President Biden, final question for you. Will you urge your supporters to stay calm while the vote is counted? And will you pledge not to declare victory until the election is independently certified? Yes. Independently certified. But that hasn't happened. Not by a long shot. Yet Joe Biden declared victory four days after the election, breaking the promise he made to the American people just two months earlier. So much for the integrity of Joe Biden's solemn word. 
None of the key battleground states where the margin of difference between Biden and Trump is razor thin have certified their results. In several of them, ballots are being audited, canvassed, and recounted. But that didn't stop Joe Biden from transgressing on his pledge. He did so on the word of the media, who called the election in his favor and pronounced him the new president of the United States. There's just one little problem with that, as Trump's lawyer Rudy Giuliani pointed out. The media has tried to call the election, and they don't have a legal right to call the election. It only it gets decided by our electors, not by NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, and even Fox. Uh, you, you, you don't get the right to call it. I don't get the right to call it. So he is contesting it vigorously. As he's gotten more evidence of the rigging that went on, he's really outraged. Rigging? Well, that's a serious charge. But Trump's legal team insists they have serious and substantial evidence to prove it. They're entitled to present and argue that proof in a court of law. That's how our system works and always has. The Trump legal team claims that thousands of phantom votes were added to Biden's tally in key states, giving him a narrow victory instead of the loss that he actually earned. They point the finger of fraud on a company called Dominion Voting Systems and its subcontractor, Smartmatic. Dominion provided the voting machines, Smartmatic provided the all-important software. But here's the strange and suspicious part. Dominion was created to produce altered voting results in Venezuela for Hugo Chavez, according to Trump lawyer Sidney Powell. It was funded, she says, by money from Venezuela and Cuba, and China also played a role. The CEO of Dominion has admitted that his company's systems have Chinese-made components, so the potential for foreign election interference seems obvious and downright frightening. But it gets worse. Smartmatic, which provides the indispensable software for Dominion machines, was founded by three engineers from, wait for it, Venezuela. That's right. A communist country that is notoriously corrupt is the source of the voting systems that were used in America's presidential election. Even the New York Times recently stated the following, quote, In Venezuela's election, Smartmatic software was manipulated to report a skewed tally. In other words, Smartmatic rigged the election in Venezuela. So why in the world would numerous states here in the U.S. ever use Smartmatic for our all-important presidential election. It's a national security threat. It's insane. Unless, of course, you wanted to rig this election, too. Here's Sidney Powell. President Trump won by not just hundreds of thousands of votes, but by millions of votes that were shifted by this software that was designed expressly for that purpose. We have sworn witness testimony of why the software was designed. It was designed to rig elections. He was fully briefed on it. He saw it happen in other countries. It was exported internationally for profit by the people that are behind Smartmatic and Dominion. 
they did this on purpose. It was calculated. They've done it before. We have evidence from 2016 in California. We have so much evidence. I feel like it's coming in through a fire hose. Trump's legal team has filed challenges and lawsuits demanding an opportunity to present their evidence in court. And that's how it should be. That's how our system works in a constitutional republic. There is a respected legal process whereby any candidate can test the legitimacy of an election outcome. If there's evidence of fraud, it should be exposed. If the fraud is significant enough or systemic, it might change the outcome of just which candidate actually won the presidency based on the valid votes that were cast. But this is a massive election fraud, and I'm very concerned it involved not only uh, Dominion and its Smartmatic uh, software, but that the software essentially was used by other election machines also. It's the software that was the problem. Even their own manual explains how votes can be wiped away. Uh, they can put, it's like drag and drop Trump votes to a separate folder and then delete that folder. It's absolutely brazen how people bought this system and why they bought this system. They can stick a thumb drive in the machine or upload software to it, even from the Internet. They can do it from Germany or Venezuela, even. They can remote access anything. They can watch votes in real time. They can shift votes in real time. We've identified mathematically the exact algorithm they used and plan to use from the beginning to modify the votes in this case to make sure Biden won. If it's true that there's a backdoor to the Dominion machines and Smartmatic software that allows an election official or someone else to delete thousands of Trump votes with a click of a computer key or simply upload thousands of non-existent Joe Biden votes in the election system, then the opportunity for election fraud in the recent presidential election is there. Did it happen? Maybe. Maybe not. But Trump's legal team should have its day in court, or courts, to make their arguments and identify the potential evidence. But the truly deranged part of all of this is what idiot thought it would be a good idea to utilize here in the U.S. a knowingly faulty voting system from a corrupt company called Venezuela. And I say knowingly because our government knew in advance that these machines and the software were ripe for abuse. It's really an insidious, corrupt system, and I can't tell you how livid I am with our government for not paying attention to complaints even brought by Democrats, Carolyn Maloney, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, over the last several years in written letters with uh, expert reports and some documentation of how corrupt this software is, and nobody in our government has paid any attention to it. Now, you can always count on government for a certain intolerable level of incompetence. That's a given. What's deeply troubling is that a flawed and unreliable voting system may have invited the malevolent actions of people determined to covertly change the election outcome.
Naturally, the mainstream media doesn't care at all. They're still celebrating the victory of their chosen candidate, Joe Biden. They shamelessly advocated for him and protected him. They spent four years vilifying Donald Trump, pushing the false accusation that he colluded with the Russians in the bowels of the Kremlin to steal the 2016 election. But now in 2020, there's no equivalency when it comes to Joe Biden and the potential evidence of election theft, as Congressman Jim Jordan underscored. Let the process play out. We have a law. As you said, the Electoral College doesn't meet until four weeks from tomorrow. So let this play out. Remember, the Democrats spent four years on the Russian hoax. It seems to me we can spend four weeks on getting to the bottom of this election where so many Americans have concerns about what took place and what happened. So let the process play out. And then maybe the most important question, why don't Joe Biden and the Democrats want to find out? Why did they keep observers out from seeing what was what was going on in these counts, which which is which they're permitted to be there by law? So those are the fundamental questions. And we should never forget it was Joe Biden who said we want independent verification. So let's let's, let's let the process play out so Americans can be confident as we move forward in our election system. President Trump has every right to let the process play out. The law allows him to file legal challenges. He has every right to do what Joe Biden promised to do, but then didn't do. Wait until the election is independently certified before claiming victory or conceding. Ironically, Donald Trump is simply following the very advice that Hillary Clinton gave Joe Biden in late August. Don't concede under any circumstances, she ordered. You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch and if we are as focused and relentless as the other side is. In Hillary's Alice in Wonderland world, it's okay for Biden to refuse to concede, just not Trump. Of course, four years earlier, she denounced Trump when he refused to commit in advance to conceding if he lost to her in the November 2016 election. Remember this? On Wednesday night, Donald Trump did something no other presidential nominee has ever done. He refused to say that he would respect the results of this election. Now, make no mistake. By doing that, he is threatening our democracy. You got that? Trump's refusal to concede is a threat to democracy. But when Hillary urges Biden not to concede, it's somehow not a threat to democracy. It's classic Hillary talking out of both sides of her mouth. She wouldn't know hypocrisy if it slapped her upside the head. The notion that challenging an election result is a threat to democracy and somehow dangerous is a tired trope, disproven through two centuries of American elections, including presidential contests. There have been close and contested elections before. Somehow, democracy managed to survive intact. But that didn't stop Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Tribe from trotting out the same old democracy is on the precipice prattle all over again. Here he is peddling it on Fox News Sunday. 
I think his overall effort is dangerous, even though we know it's going to fail. The Republicans themselves know that President Trump's claims that Biden's votes were fraudulent are without merit, because if those claims were true, then those Republicans, too, would have been elected fraudulently or mistakenly, because they were the same ballots. Now, if we know that Trump is going to lose in the courts, and we do, why should we care? The reason we should care is that he is undermining democracy, because there are millions of people who will believe him, even though there is nothing in his arguments and no evidence to back them. Like Hillary, Lawrence Tribe is an audacious hypocrite. He took the exact opposite position 20 years ago as the lawyer for Al Gore when the Democrat nominee filed legal challenges in the aftermath of the 2000 election. At the time, Tribe argued that his client was merely exercising all legal avenues to contest the ballot counting of valid versus invalid votes, and that doing so would only instill public confidence in the legitimacy of the result and strengthen, not undermine, democracy. I know because I was there in that Florida courtroom when he made the argument, and I interviewed him outside the courthouse. The truth is, Tribe is an inveterate Trump hater who sued the president. He has little credibility on the current matter, and his self-contradictory position on the so-called danger-to-democracy fallacy proves it. Moreover, how does Lawrence Tribe know that Trump's legal claims are, quote, without merit? He doesn't. He hasn't a clue because he hasn't seen the evidence. Very few people have because the matter has yet to be litigated. But that didn't stop Tribe like an insincere juror. He's prejudging the case before the trial has even begun. Quite the trick for a constitutional law professor at the esteemed Harvard Law School. If this is the way he teaches his classes, I pity his students. Ken Starr, former federal judge and independent counsel, wasn't buying the rubbish that Tribe was selling. I'm really a, a, astonished that his view is every one of those votes is a legal vote. And I think that's the underlying assumption, and that assumption needs to be tested. <clears throat> we had this unprecedented use, this flood tide of mail-in ballots. And what we do know, everyone has heard, if his or her ears are open, anecdotal evidence, anecdotal, not proof, anecdotal evidence that People who should not have received those ballots receive them. Lots of stories. Let's test the stories as opposed to dismissing them and then saying, with all due respect, that this is a dangerous process. No, this is a lawful process. This is to bring the rule of law into the election process. And then let's accept the judgment of the courts once the courts have ruled. When all of the legal challenges are exhausted and the states have certified their votes, it may come to pass that President Trump cedes authority to Joe Biden as the next president. Maybe not. But that's how the process works. There's nothing wrong with checking to make sure that the voting process was honest and accurate. Our system is designed to check 
Let's check it out. And a lawsuit was filed just on Wednesday in, in Michigan. Let's let this process run. A lawsuit was just filed by the legendary Lynn Wood in Georgia. Don't mess with Lynn Wood. Let's find out. In the United States, we allow the jury to hear all the evidence, and that's what's happening right now. Don't rush to judgment. <clears throat> it's important, especially given the fact that so many tens of Americans feel right now disenfranchised. So let's get the facts in. Allow this litigation to run its course, just as in Bush v. Gore, it ran for 37 days. While the presidency is still to be determined, voters have decisively rejected the down-ballot contests that might have given sustenance to the radical left agenda. All across the nation, Republicans netted huge gains in state legislatures. In Washington, instead of adding Democrat seats to the House, as Nancy Pelosi and her partners in the media promised and predicted, the GOP managed to flip at least 10 seats so far, maybe more. If Pelosi manages to hang on to her job as Speaker, she'll preside over the smallest House majority in more than 100 years. Some victory, Nance. On the Senate side, Democrats crowed that they would easily gain control by picking up a handful of GOP seats. Instead, they were denied an outright majority. What happened? Americans rebelled against their progressive agenda. Two races in Georgia will be decided in a January 5th runoff. Much is at stake. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is focusing now on Georgia because he says he wants to change America and the world. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says she'll do everything she can to make sure that Democrats win those races, quote, so we don't have to negotiate with Republicans. Understand that? Compromise is a dirty word in AOC's limited vocabulary. She thirsts for unfettered power to ram through her socialist agenda of the Green New Deal, the end of oil and gas drilling, Medicare for all, higher taxes, slashing military spending, Defund police, open the borders, sanctuary cities, abolish the filibuster, pack the U.S. Supreme Court, and add two new states to the union that would give Democrats complete control in perpetuity. Joe Biden may have narrowly won the presidency, we'll see about that, but voters across America repudiated the socialist-driven ideology championed by AOC, Bernie Sanders, and other fashionable Democrats that yearned to control their party. Thankfully, it didn't work. But a revealing moment occurred in a post-election meeting when Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger, Democrat of Virginia, scolded her colleagues for what they'd done. She said, we need not ever use the word socialist or socialism ever again. We lost good members because of that. And she's right, up to a point. It's true that the word socialism is toxic to most clear-headed Americans, but it wasn't so much the label socialism that destroyed the aspirations of leftist Democrats. No, it was the destructive and un-American socialist ideas that alienated voters. 
Today's progressives, and they love to use that word, are in reality regressives or retrogressives. Their pernicious designs would set America back to a dark age of repression. The radical left wants to control every facet of our lives and livelihoods. They do so on the twisted premise that all Americans are bad, they're racist, they're selfish, they're greedy, capitalism is evil. So their remedy is to dictate everything we do. The left-wing mob wants to tell us how to live and work and raise our children. No more free thought or free will or free markets. The history of socialist orthodoxy is a history of decline, the declination of freedom, opportunity, and prosperity. But that's not what Americans want. And voters said so in the most effective way possible in a democracy, casting their ballots in rejection of these disastrous socialist policies. But it's not over yet. Republican Senator David Perdue is fighting to hold on to his Georgia seat and envisions what will happen if there's a 50-50 tie in the Senate with the potential of a Vice President Harris breaking the tie. If you can imagine that Elizabeth Warren wants to be Secretary of Treasury, uh, it's already given that Bernie Sanders will be Chairman of the Budget Committee, Sherrod Brown will be Chairman of the Banking Committee, and Ron Wyden will be chairman of the finance committee. These are people who really do not believe in our free market system. They want to change how we form capital in America. But again, this is something that they really have avoided dealing with in any of these Senate races. They've tried to hide it now lately. And if you look at what they really are espousing, this, this would never be done. Their agenda could never be done with a bipartisan Congress. And so what we can do in the Senate is this. We can actually protect the gains and the accomplishments of the last four years. I mean, President Trump gave us an agenda they gave us the best economic turnaround in U.S. history. Six and a half million Americans have pulled themselves out of poverty. That will all get undone if we lose both of these seats in Georgia. So that's why we know we're the last line of defense, and we're fighting hard here to make sure that it's done legally and we get this done appropriately. This invites the question, what happens if Joe Biden wins the presidency but Republicans retain control of the U.S. Senate? Kyle Smith of the National Review answered that very question as follows. A victorious Biden would be placed in the humiliating position of a largely ceremonial president, which works out fine for him. He's never had the courage to fight for much of anything. He always wanted to be merely popular, not to push for anything in particular. The most notorious blowhard in the last half century of Washington would, in fact, be called upon to do what he does best. Talk, talk, and talk some more. We could all look forward to a presidency as mighty as Delaware. I couldn't have put it better myself. I'm Greg Jarrett, and that's The Brief. Thanks for listening.